Amen, amen. Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is July 8th, 2020, and we're still basking in the victorious celebration of our brother Daniel Smith from this past Sunday. Look, we got got to take just a minute and remind us that besides the hundreds that we had here in, in service... Several One Association churches joined us online, as well as multiple family members who were watching online as well. Wasn't it such a blessing to hear from Pastor Zeke Lamb, to hear from Pastor Treister and Pastor Hutchinson in person, as well as other pastors and elder via their messages? Wasn't that a blessing on Sunday? Did y'all have a good time on Sunday? Amen. So did I. From Sunday, we want to remind you of a few things. Number one... We want to encourage you that why is not the question to be focused on, rather, how. You guys remember that? How will you respond to the final enemy to be put down, and that being death? Yeah. Church, I just want to encourage you with something here. We want to encourage you to to ask yourself the question, how are you planning on finishing? Come on. I don't know if you guys saw Randy tonight, but up here worshiping at the front with all of our heart. Yeah. She's setting a good example for us. How are you going to finish what God has put before you? It is our determination to be inspired by our brother's victorious living, by Randy's victorious living, and work to finish in the same kind of victorious manner for each of us. Can I get somebody to say amen in this house? Come on, church. Daniel Smith has finished his race, and he is in the cloud of witnesses right now, urging us on towards the victorious finish line that he has crossed. The clouds of God's presence have always seemed ominous to those that stand at a distance. But for those that are acquainted with God's presence, there is a comforting familiarity that we can have with it. It's true. Daniel is one one with the great cloud of witnesses. And every time you feel like it's just a bit of a cloudy day you got to remember what that means. That our brother is with the king, urging, compelling, calling out for you to finish with the same kind of excellence that he did. Amen? Amen. Look, as we begin our time tonight, we have a word for you. And its title tonight is Radiant Hope. Radiant Hope. See, last Wednesday, we took a look at the gospel. The victorious gospel. The full, unadulterated, bona fide gospel. As we dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In fact, why don't we all turn there now? And that's where we will begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 21. Somebody say radiant hope when you get to verse 21. Come on now. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. It says this. For since death came through a man... The resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Church, we're going to remind you tonight, we're going to remind you every day that we see you until it just seems like it's right. We're going to remind you that the hope of the resurrection is the very hope of all of Christianity in its entirety. The message, the gospel, is that we have a hope that not only was Christ risen from the dead, but because of that, we have the same hope. We have the same promise for us that we will be transformed, that we will have resurrected bodies. If only we believe in Christ for this life, 
The Bible says that we are to be pitied among all people. If there is no resurrection, if there is no promise yet before us, then it says that we're to be pitied. But don't pity me, man. No. Don't pity me because I've got the hope of the resurrection that is alive on the inside of me. Amen. See, all die in Adam. What Adam ushered in was death. But in Christ, look at verse 22. Let's put that on the screen. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Somebody say will be. Will be. What does it mean that it still yet will be made alive? We're all sitting here looking at each other. But there's a promise for us that says, in Christ all will be made alive. Come on, that's something. That's saying something that is right there before us. It doesn't say they have been made alive. It said that we will be made alive. Come on now. Come on, when we think about this, let's think about it in context for Daniel. He is more alive now than he has ever been. We are going to be made alive like we can't even understand it right now. That is our hope. That is our promise. This shows that the resurrection of the dead is not just a spiritual awakening right now, but it's a heavenly promise that will be fulfilled in the future. Christ is the first fruit. Somebody say, He's the first fruits. He's the first fruits. The first to be resurrected. The first to stay in a glorified state. Then when He comes, those who belong to Him Do we have anybody who belongs to Him tonight? Do we have anybody who has that kind of hope and the promise of the gospel tonight? See, when He comes, those who belong to Him, He will bring them with Him. Amen. If you belong to Him, turn to John chapter 6. Say radiant hope when you're there. We'll pick up at verse 38. There we go. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that He has given me. Amen to that. But raise them up at the last day. Come on now. Come on, man. Let me read this again. And this is the will of Him who sent me, Peshatli, plainly stating what the goal is. That I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Don't you like when something is said plainly to you? There's no guesswork in this whatsoever. This is Jesus speaking to his apostles and about his apostles. In fact, he says, raise them up at the last day. That the will of the Father was to lose none of all that were given to him and to raise them up at the last day. That's a sign of hope, something that you can put your trust in and expect that God's going to finish his work inside these apostles, and he's going to prove it by raising them up on the last day. But let's look at verse 40 as well. For my father's will is that everyone, oh, not just we're the apostles now, we're talking about everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Oh, so what, what I see a connection here is this isn't just for the apostles, but it's for all those who follow the same king in the same way, just as the apostles did. See, we have a criteria, we have a standard before us, and that is to demonstrate a trust-grounded obedience that brings about a hope that we will be raised up on the last day along with the men and women of God who've gone before us. Before you move on, Pastor, I want to encourage everyone to look at the screen for just a second. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. 
We've heard that phrase so long that we may have truncated the actual meaning of eternal life from the rest of the phrase. Eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. It's not only a spiritual manifestation of something. There is a promise of a physical resurrection. Part of the eternal life that you have is not just some ethereal, you're going to sit on a cloud, but you have a physical body that is going to be glorified, that is going to be raised up in the last day. And this is Jesus himself speaking here. Come on, now that is a depth of an understanding of eternal life. Anybody ever, I mean, we can go through our whole entire Christian walk and think of eternal life and miss the power of the resurrection of our actual bodies. But Jesus hasn't missed it. He said it yet again. Because look, by intertwining the two, eternal life and the promise to raise him up on the last day, he is stating clearly what the goal of the Father was and what he was aiming at in Jesus the entire time. That he was calling those that were to follow him to look to him. To fix their eyes on the author and perfecter of their faith. And demonstrate through trust-grounded obedience. That their participation in his life also meant a participation in the hope of the resurrection. Yeah, amen. Look at verse 44 of John 6. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Same conversation. Now he said it for a second time about a promise of raising up on the last day. Look at verse 53. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Exact same thing that he said earlier in the passage. And concludes in the exact same way. And I will raise him up at the last day. So let's begin to put this together. To fully partake in Jesus' life, meaning to fully partake in his sufferings, in his death, in his way of life, meant that you have eternal life. Not just will have, but what it says here is, uh, who drinks my blood has eternal life in you right now. And there's a promise to come that you will be resurrected as, as well. Come on. See, it's not just this hope of a pie in the sky playing a harp with some cherubim hanging out around you. We're talking about eternal life at work in you right now. And the presence of that eternal life is also guaranteeing that you will be raised up with him, with those who followed him for an eternity in the resurrected body. But look how serious Jesus was about this standard. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, consume all of who I am, nothing left out of how I give life by giving my death for you to have life. That's the kind of walk that we're supposed to have. The Father's aim and thereby the Son's aim this entire time is at having a hope in our resurrection, but also participating in eternal life right now. And in case you're not just fully aware of what's going on here in John 6, Jesus is so concerned with his people understanding that they will be raised up in the last day that a lot of disciples hear this and they say, this is too difficult of a teaching. We're just going to go ahead and roll on out now. And Jesus looks at the 12 and he says, you want to leave too? He's saying, if you don't get this, if you don't understand this and have your hope rightly placed in the resurrection, then you can go ahead and move on out too. Where are we going to go? Because you have the words of eternal life 
Because you're going to raise us on the last day. Where are we going to go? We have no place else to put our hope in. Let's all turn to Titus 2 and see that this continues on. It's not just in the New Testament law. It's also in the writings. Titus chapter 2. Somebody look at it and we're going to start in verse 11. Say radiant hope when you get there. Titus 2, 11. Listen to this in context of the hope of the resurrection. For the grace of God that brings salvation. Somebody say, brings salvation. Brings salvation. Praise God. This grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Somebody say now. Now. See, this salvation, this grace of God that has appeared to all people, it's going to help us to say no to ungodliness. It's going to help us to become set free from the penalty and the power of sin here. But it's in this present age while we wait for something. While we wait for the blessed hope. Somebody say blessed hope. Blessed hope. See, it's going to help us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives right now. Somebody say right now. Right now. While we wait for the blessed hope. Well, what is the blessed hope? Why is Titus even talking to us about this? He's explaining what the grace of God is and how we're supposed to be utilizing this salvation that has appeared while we're waiting for a blessed hope. Well, can you hear this in this passage? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, because when He appears, this blessed hope, we know that we're going to be transformed, that we're going to be renewed in our physical bodies at His appearing. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Amen. See, a grace that brings salvation, it allows us to be upright, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives while we are waiting for the blessed hope. Man, what an incredible thought that right here in this verse, we're talking about a power that sets you free from the penalty of sin. It brings salvation to you. It has appeared to all people. I was saved. But now, right now, while I'm still waiting for something else, I can live a self-controlled, upright, godly life. I can do that now. I can say no to sin now. I'm not just free from the penalty of sin. I am now free from the power of sin. I'm able to overcome those things. Why? Because His salvation is at work in me now. It did something for me then. It appeared. But now it's helping me. Now it's giving me strength. While I'm waiting on it to do yet another thing. It set me free from the penalty of sin. It is now currently giving me the strength, giving me the power to overcome the power of sin. But one day, somebody say one day. One day. One day I've still got a hope inside of me. I've got a hope that what I've seen in the salvation, that what I'm feeling and experiencing salvation now is going to bring me something that I don't even have to deal with the presence of sin anymore. I've been freed from the penalty I am overcoming and I can stand in power over sin now. But one day I don't even have to have it around. I don't even have to worry about it because I've got the hope of the resurrection on the inside of me. Man, that's a salvation that I want to be a part of. That is a significant difference than what most people are thinking. This present age. Yes, we're going to live right now. Right now. But we're waiting for something. 
We're waiting for that hope of the resurrection to be made manifest in us. See, salvation isn't even complete until that blessed hope occurs for us. Until that blessedness of the hope of resurrection is seen in our life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Turn to Romans chapter 8 and say radiant hope where you're there. Well, pastor is preaching his heart out and sweating from head to toe. Holy Ghost power is moving through him. Romans 8.22 We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. See, what we have here is Paul's making it very plain. That the whole creation is groaning all the way up to the present time. That the creation is longing to see the eradication of the presence of sin. It's longing to be delivered from the power of sin. It wants to see the sons of God enter into this hope of the resurrection. Because the minute that we are glorified, it means that there is liberty and freedom for all of creation. All eyes are on us as an indicator of God's hope in the resurrection being completed. But he goes on to say in verse 23, not only so just the creation, but we ourselves. Who's had some days where you yourself have been groaning, groaning inwardly, maybe even rolling on the floor and writhing in pain, physically, mentally, and even spiritually, where you are warring with the effects of sin in one way or another, and it doesn't feel like you're gaining any ground, but I can tell you what, you're still standing in the name of Jesus. Who in this house has been saved? Who in this house is being saved? Well, then you have hope that you will be saved in the future. There's a hope in store for you, and that hope is designed to give inspiration. What we're longing for, what we're groaning, is for the resurrection of our bodies. But I want you to notice that the indicator is that we, ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit... Well, what you have inside of you is a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. What you have inside of you is a reminder day in, day out, minute by minute, even second by second, that you have the hope of the resurrection at work inside of you. There is no room for despair whenever you have the Spirit as a deposit within you. There's nothing else that is supposed to remain inside of that checking account of your soul. It's only that deposit that is to be there, and from it we withdraw on a daily basis. Lord, I need your strength to overcome my thoughts today. Lord, I need your strength to overcome just my physical body that's rebelling against the will of God. Knees, in the name of Jesus, work. Hair, grow back. Nope, I can't pray for that one. Mind, be clear, in the name of Jesus. I need some discernment tonight. See, when we have this dependency on the living God, we are demonstrating a hope in our resurrection by depending on the spirit he put inside of us, deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. 
We have a surety that what we are longing for, what we're waiting for, is the full adoption as sons. The having the full and exclusive rights to receive our redemption, to receive our resurrection of our physical bodies, and something that we can stand in and all of creation look at and say, redemption and resurrection is here. Church, this has incredible implications for your life. We're not just asking you to, to acquiesce to a thought process tonight. I want you to evaluate what your life is. Are we really, really, is our hope actually in the resurrection? In the resurrection, the redemption of our bodies. The proof that we're actually been adopted to sonship. Because when you do have that hope of resurrection, you know what you don't fight for? You don't fight for your circumstances around you to change. You don't need a better job. You need to stay exactly where God planted you because you're trusting that the resurrection, just like you're going to have a resurrected body, that he's going to resurrect the circumstances around you. See, I don't need the circumstances to get easier before I start actually believing in this. I have my hope firmly established in the resurrection. That means I don't need to go anywhere. I am right where I need to be because he's going to transform me. That is what my entire hope is based on. Amen. I don't need to tell you that I have the hope in the resurrection only because I'm living as a man who has his entirety of his hope set on this one concept. I don't have a backup plan. I don't have something else. This is it. I'm saying that it's either this or I've based my entire life on the wrong thing. But I am confident of what God is doing. I am confident that his word is true, that his promises are sure. I am confident in this and my everyday life shows it. Boy, it should be nice if I felt better. Yeah, I don't need to feel better before I do what God tells me to do. Because my hope is in the resurrection. You don't need to make it easier. I don't need more money in my account. I have my hope so firmly established that He is going to do it. And if He needs to raise me from the dead, He will. Come on, what about you tonight? What is your hope in tonight? Don't tell me your theology. Show me what your hope is in. In verse 24, it goes on to say, For in this hope we were saved. Wait. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the hope of the resurrection is the hope of your salvation? That's exactly what I'm trying to say to you tonight. What kind of hope does that give you? What kind of immovable spirit on the inside of you can you say, No, no. No, even death can't stop this. Even mourning can't stop this. Even difficulties. As a matter of fact, it may be the difficulties that's helping prove what my hope is actually based in. Come on, Chris. Are you feeling me tonight at all? For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean if I could see it right now? It's not actually hope? Nope. Who hopes for what he already has? I'm hoping for what is yet to come. And because I actually believe in it, because my hope is surely planted there, I'm showing him. I'm showing him what my hope is in. Because I don't have it yet. I don't see it yet. I can't grasp it yet, but I will. And you will for those who belong to him. 
In this hope you were saved. The hope of the resurrection. The reason that we have this hope, this salvation, this gospel is because we are still yet to receive his resurrection. But because we don't have it yet, that allows our hope to be firmly planted. We get to show him what our hope is actually in. And it's in the resurrection. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you could put up on the screen for me, Romans chapter 5. I want you to see verse, starting in verse 3. Everybody stay where you're at though. What pastor is putting his finger on inside of our hearts and minds is that our hope when left to our own devices is situational. I mean that I will hope in something as long as I can see a guarantee that it's actually going to come about. Lord, I'll, I'll get up early. I'll get into your word and prepare myself for warfare as long as I get enough sleep and I feel good enough to actually do it. That's not hope at all. Hope means putting your feet on the floor when every bone in your body hurts. Hope is getting up when you have a a 99 or 100 degree fever. You don't feel like moving at all. But it says, unless I move in action, then I'm not going to see resurrection power accompany my hope that I have internally. Romans 5.3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Why do we glory in our sufferings? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. It produces hupomone, a character that absolutely will not quit. You know what I'm sitting in a room full of people? I am sitting in a room full of people that have hupomone, that have a character that will not quit. Amen. That what God has been doing is allowing us to step into one adversity after another, after another, to demonstrate that He is pouring into our hearts that hupomone. That he's giving us the character that will not quit because there's even more to be had once you possess that. Perseverance, character. And whose character? His character. The image of Christ being formed inside of you every time you take a step of obedience when it is a condition that's unfavorable. And that character gives you hope. Come on, after you've been through enough trials... You know what it takes to withstand those trials. You know what it takes for the character of Christ to be formed inside of you. You have a surety that God's power is going to come through that will overcome whatever suffering, whatever adversity that you faced initially. And that you are then maturing with a hope that says, I will not quit because God's image is at work within me and his will will be accomplished through me on earth as it is in heaven. But it continues on in verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope in his resurrection power will never put us to shame. It's death that will be put to shame. It's the effects of death that will be put to shame. Because God's love has has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. You want to know how to rally and muster your strength when you don't feel like you have hope? 
Is that you begin to look into His Word. You begin to ask His Spirit to illuminate His Word to you. Let revival and resurrection come alive inside of you so that hope can arise. Amen. And the minute that it does, the next thing you know, your whole attitude changes. Next thing you know, the entire circumstance changes. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. We'll look at verse 13 and see exactly how this takes place. May the God of hope. Oh, man. Oh, there's a lot of titles that are beautiful, but this is one for us tonight. The God that you serve. The one to whom your knee and your soul and life bows yes. down to is the, the God of hope. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Not just partial joy, not even 99% joy. All joy. Come on, do you know what it's like whenever circumstances are grim? You feel like junk. Everything is going south. Somebody walks in. It's the God of hope working through your brother, working through your sister, and they got a smile from ear to ear. Your first thought is, why are you smiling? There's nothing to smile about. And next thing you know, they just walk over and lay hands on you, begin to pray for you in the Holy Ghost, and you come alive. Joy begins to overflow. And it continues on. It says, fill you with all joy and shalom. Oh, man, I want joy and right order in the house of God. I want joy and right order inside of me. There's a requirement on your part. And that's the latter part of this verse. As you trust in him. Oh, the requirement for the God of hope to fill you with all joy and shalom is that you just got to trust. You got to cast off fear. You got to cast off despair. You got to cast off everything that is making you discontent. And you have to trust in the God of hope. Y'all know that you know this already, right? Anybody ever had a little trouble actually trusting the Lord from day to day? Yes. You actually let how you feel. You actually let what you're thinking distort what you're actually proving by your obedience. Come on, don't just, don't just sit here and look at us tonight. What we're talking about is the God of hope filling you with joy. Has nothing to do with your circumstances because the God of hope is the one doing the filling. The God of hope is the one putting you in right order because you're trusting in Him. Come on now, this is a better word than the way you guys are responding to Pastor Matt. It is. Look, over the past week or so, I visited a couple of you guys. I knocked on the door, and you answered, but I don't think all of you were really there when you answered. A couple of you guys opened the door, and you're like, hey, Pastor Matt. Those were the girls, by the way. (laughs) And what I saw were men and women that just been beat up a little bit. They needed some hope. They needed some joy. They needed some shalom. And you remember... You remember when I would put my arms around you, I'd begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, command life and healing in your body. You haven't felt it yet, but you did feel the presence and the power of God. Next thing you know, smiles are on your faces. Victorious attitudes are coming to light, and you are holding your head up high because the God of hope is beginning to fill you with hope. This is what we're supposed to have for each other. In fact, the rest of this verse goes on to say, so that you may overflow with hope. 
by the power of the Come Holy Ghost. Now. Man, I don't want to be full. I want to overflow. I want to overflow more than this air conditioning unit is right now into our sanctuary. I want to be, bring inspiration that when God begins to revive me, I'm now ready to go revive other people. See, we have to fight for this hope of the resurrection to dwell within us because somebody next to you is dependent upon it. And the result is this, a radiant face. I'm talking something that, you know, the best cosmetics out there can never give you. Something that the greatest treasure you could ever find in a field would never put upon your face. And that is the radiance of God's glory on your face. And when you have a radiant face, church, it's proof. It's proof that you're actually living in the hope of your resurrected, in fact, I'm sorry, your best resurrected life now. <laughs> Let's turn to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34, and we're going to look at verse 4. It says this, I sought the Lord, and He answered me. Yeah, He did. I think we could just close it down right now. <laughs> Man, I sought the Lord and he answered me. What is it like when you're crying out and the God of all creation speaks to you? He delivered me. He didn't just yeah, he answer did. me. He delivered me yeah. from all my fears. Yes. Come on now to those who look to him. They are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Do you know why we're not covered with shame? See, isn't that what the fears are about? Yeah. Aren't your fears that he had to deliver you from? The thought is, is that you're going to be put to shame. I mean, surely I'm going to try to stand here and it's just not going to work for me. It might work for them. I heard it, it it'll probably work for an elder, but I don't think it's going to work for me. Mm. See, but what happens is we seek the Lord and He answers us. He delivers us from these fears because when we look to Him, when we set our hope firmly in Him, when we trust in the hope of the resurrection, we become radiant. We look to Him and His brightness shines upon us. Our faces are never covered with shame. Amen. Never covered with shame. Never. There is no other promise in the entirety of the universe that you can put your hope in. If you look to something else, I promise you, you will be put to shame. But when we look to Him, you will never, somebody say never. Never. You will never be put to shame. See, we got to rise up in our hope tonight, church. We've got to look to Him. We've got to let the radiance of His presence cover you with glory and not with shame. Somebody say amen. Amen. Andrew Tisdale, do you have hope tonight? Yes. Steve Thomas, do you have hope tonight? Yes. Spencer McLean, do you have hope tonight? Yes. Church, do you have hope tonight? Yes. yes. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60. We will start in verse 4. There we go. Isaiah 60 verse 4. Lift up your eyes and look about you. Oh. Sometimes we just have to pick our heads up. Lift up our eyes to the one whom salvation is going to come from. And be alert and aware. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar. And your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. 
Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nation will come. Church, our hope in the resurrection is aimed at helping us lift up our eyes and paying attention to the resurrection power that is currently at work within you. Amen. I look out and I see men and women who have had their lives restored from the ravages of sin. I look out and I see men and women whose marriages have been healed, put on better footing, and you would have no idea what it was like five years ago. I see lives that have been rescued from the destitute nature of video games and complete retardation. That you have been delivered and now have possessed a sound mind. And on track in the name of Jesus to become the man and woman of God that he's made you to be. Amen. I'm looking at resurrection power that have filled individuals' lives. Restoring marriages. Restoring our parenting. Reclaiming lost time that sin has stolen. And redeeming lost family members as well. But I want us to remember something. We have reason to be radiant. There's no place for sorrow in here. We have reason to be radiant because we have our hope in the resurrection. It's working for us. It's working in us. It's on our side. It is a guarantee that we're going to win every single time. I want to clear something up, though, for us in our church. The death of a saint is not a lost battle. I'm going to say this again. The death of a saint is not a lost battle. It is the ultimate victory. And here's the scriptural precedence of why. Paul says, to live is Christ. To die is gain. For a saint to die is never a loss. It's not a loss for him, and it's not a loss for us. It is always a gain in the name of Jesus. We just have to make sure that we're not looking at the the timeline of our accomplishments through the lens of men's eye. Our life is but a vapor. And what may seem like a loss to us is only just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction when compared to eternity. Because you know what Daniel Smith is doing right now? He is ruling and reigning with the King of Kings. You know what Daniel Smith will do when we're all resurrected together? He will judge the angels and he will help the king rule over all the earth. His work is not done yet, but he has reached the finish line. We can be sure that this resurrection power inside of us, this hope in the resurrection, can give us an attitude. Do you want some attitude tonight? It's an attitude that says, of course I can handle this area of my life. If I said to some of you, can you eat this junior cheeseburger? You would say, of course I can eat that junior cheeseburger. It's almost an insult to say that I can't. Well, there are some other perspectives where we need this attitude that says, of course I can handle this area of my life. Come on, say that with us. Say, of course I can handle this. That has to be our attitude. If you actually have hope in the resurrection, of course you can handle every area of your life. Of course you can handle every hardship that you come across. Of course you can handle every person who tries to oppose you. Of course you can. Because you have hope in the resurrection. 
Of course you can handle being sick. You have the hope of the resurrection that is radiantly displayed inside of you. Let's all turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Let's look at verse 13. Say, of course I can when you get there. (laughs) James 5.13 says this. Is any of you in trouble? Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for the clarity of your scripture. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Stop before you go further. Man, if you need prayer tonight during our second worship time, come on forward and the elders are going to lay hands on you and you're going to get better. Amen. But listen to the end of verse 15. Verse 15 again, just to get it in context. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. What language is that that you're hearing? The Lord will raise him up. That is resurrection voice right here in the middle of James. The Lord will raise him up. Now, this is not to say that you will not get healed because you're going to get healed here. And oh, yeah, by the way, he's going to raise you up then, too. You think that this is the only place that we have to worry about. We can have the prayer of faith and we know that the Lord will either raise you up now or he'll raise you up then or he'll do both. Come on now, you've read James plenty of times, but you've never seen that resurrection language right in the middle of when your elders lay hands on you and anoint you with oil. The Lord will raise you up. Come on, that should make us radiant in this place today. That gives us the hope that even if this physical body is not fixed yet, it will be fixed. Because my hope is solidly planted in the resurrection. God's going to heal you here and now. Somebody say here and now. Here and now. Or he's going to raise you up the last day. Or both. Come on, man. You cannot lose in this. You should be radiant tonight. Oh, man. To live is Christ. To die is gay. Is so good. Hey, in addition to this, of course you can handle difficulties at work. Of course you can handle difficulties at work. Here's why you have the hope of the resurrection radiantly displayed all up on your face. Come on, I'm talking about the fact that you are a born again ambassador of God. Designed to reflect His glory, His image, the gospel, the hope of the resurrection on your face. With a big old smile. In fact, let me read this to you out of 2 Timothy 2. Verse 24, it says, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope. That God will grant them repentance, 
leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Of course you can handle the difficulties at work because God put you there to handle the difficulties at work. And it's not just about your paycheck. It's about the hope of the resurrection coming through you for them. Instead of trying to bring your boss to their senses about nonsense, that you were designed by God to be an ambassador that brings them to their their senses and escapes the trap of the devil. Not the trap of arrogance or pride or any other issue that you may have with your boss. See, Isaiah 61 states clearly Jesus mezuzah. That the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon him to preach good news. To go and proclaim freedom for the captives. Why are you in your workplace? You're there to go proclaim the good news of the hope of the resurrection to those that are held captive by their own sin. And you do it with a big old smile. Everybody right now, put a big smile on your face. Big cheesy grin. You do that in faith, and the Holy Ghost will begin to fill you with power. People will take notice. Why are you smiling so much? Are you high? No, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with hope of the resurrection. That's why. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We've got just a few minutes left together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Church, look up at me for just a second. Of course you can handle grieving. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you can. We don't grieve the way the world does. You have the hope of the resurrection that is radiantly being displayed in you. Amen. Of course you can handle grieving. Yeah. This is not the time for you to allow grieving to challenge everything that you think this church is about. Come on. This is not the time for you to grieve like that. For you to start thinking that the way of life that God has put you in is somehow flawed because you think that there was a loss in our midst. Mm. Of course you can handle grieving. Yeah. But you can't handle it the way that the world handles it. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant. Amen. About those who fall asleep. Or to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. (laughs) It's one thing to talk about the rest of mankind that has no hope. But are you a kind in this room? We're saying that you say that you have a hope in the resurrection, but you've allowed things to enter into your heart, to enter into your mind in the last few days together. And you are pretty darn sure that there's plenty of fault to go around. You, my friend, are grieving like someone who has no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. See, there is an importance to how we grieve. We're allowed to grieve. We said it on Sunday. We've said it to you individually. We've talked to you. Of course you're allowed to grieve. 
We just don't grieve the way that the rest of the world grieves. Trying to find fault, trying to find an enemy, trying to find something other than the enemy of death. We are allowed, we are encouraged, we're even given the example by Jesus Christ himself and his friend Lazarus. You are supposed to grieve, there is a time to mourn. But we're choosing to do it here at this church and we're saying, yes, you will see me cry. But you're going to see an overwhelming amount of hope in the resurrection. You're going to see an overwhelming, overflowing hope. An overwhelming amount of joy and peace in this life. That's how you're going to see it. Because I don't grieve the way that the rest of mankind grieves. I got something on the inside of me. And I'm telling you, it's the hope in the resurrection. We aren't allowed to grieve in ignorance. We aren't allowed to grieve like those who have no hope. Evaluate your heart. How are you grieving? It's got to be with those that have the hope of the resurrection pumping through our veins. Think about Lazarus. Think about Jesus and Lazarus. What did Jesus say in John eleven twenty five? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Is Jesus just playing around with words? No. You're going to live even though you die. Wait, what? Yes, he's clearly speaking about the hope of the resurrection. And he's saying that he is that resurrection. He is the one that will transform the body. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I just thought you said if I did die. That, yes. Yes, that's the answer. Is this in the hope of the resurrection? See, we are not going to grieve like those who have no hope. And I don't just mean the ungodly. I mean those who have no hope in the actual resurrection. Come on, church. We are radiant because we can grieve and we can do it with joy. We can shed tears and have a smile on our face. We can do this because we have the answer. And the answer is found in the hope of the resurrection. It is. Let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians 3, and it's verse 18. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. See, in this passage, Paul is directly referencing Exodus 34. This was the second giving of the law. Moses by himself chisels out two stone tablets, two new ones. The finger of God inscribes his law upon these two new tablets. He then descends and begins to bring this restored word of God to the people of Israel. And the difference between the first time and the second time is that the second time Moses' face is radiant. The first time his face was not radiant. But in the second time you have a glorified man with the restored word of God coming to redeem the people of God. What are you called to be? You're called to be a glorified man and woman of God with the restored word of God coming to redeem the people of God. You have in your hands the very source of the hope of the resurrection. And it's not just within your hands in the Bible. It's also at work within you. You are that container. You possess this ability. 
Church, we want you to rally your strength and see the hope of the resurrection that is at work within you. Because we want you to rightly represent the gospel. The gospel that we learned about in 1 Corinthians 15. The one that has a radiant hope of resurrection. You just got to take back that veil. You have to remove what is trying to obscure, what is trying to fade that glory that is wanting to reflect off of your face. You have to remove what hinders it so that you can rightly reflect the King of Kings. And when that happens, did you hear that we are being transformed? And it's with an ever-increasing glory? That means the glory that's reflecting off of your face today is only going to increase tomorrow and increase the next day and the next day, which means that you will have greater impact on other people's lives, rescuing them from death and bringing them into that same glory. Come on. Last scripture of the night. Turn to first John chapter three. First John chapter three. Come on, say radiant hope when you get there. First John chapter three and verse one, it says this, how great is the love the father has lavished on us. My goodness. How great is the love that the father has lavished on us. It's so easy for us to forget that because we're used to the feel of this lavish love. How great is this love that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are speaking to you tonight as fellow children of God. That's what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know Him. The reason that people don't understand that we're saying, have joy, have strength in the hope of the resurrection. They don't understand that. It's because they don't know Him and we are acting just like Him when we have hope in the resurrection. Dear friends, now, everybody say now. Now, now we are children of God. He's giving it to us. He's saying it. And what we will be has not yet been made known. I know what I am now. I'm a man who's been set free from the penalty of sin. I'm a man who's now walking with power over sin in my life. I don't quite yet know what I will be. But what we know is that when He appears, we shall be like Him. The hope of the resurrection is that what Jesus Christ is now is what I will be. Right now, I'm His child. I mean, right now. But the hope of the resurrection says, I don't quite understand everything about it yet, but I know that I'm going to be just like Him. Just like the one who is lavished from the love of the Father. For we shall see Him as He is. Look at verse 3. Everyone. Everyone 
who has this hope. Everyone who has this hope that we are now children, that we've been lavished with love from the Father. I don't quite know yet what I'll be, but I know I will be just like Him. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself. Why? Because He's giving, He's set me free from the penalty of sin. He's given me the power over sin now. So what I want to do is I want to be just like Him. But I don't want to have to wait until I'm completely done. I'm going to show Him that the hope of the resurrection is alive in me now. And that I can be radiant now. That I can live this way now. With just a deposit guaranteeing. But I can do it now. Everyone who has this hope purifies yourself. Because you know that He is pure. You don't allow yourself to say that you have hope in the resurrection and not be living that with your every last breath that you have. You're going to purify yourself. Stand to your feet with me tonight. Your hope in what you should be, it'll inspire you. It'll illuminate you. It'll make you radiant. And you could be radiant tonight because of the hope of the resurrection in this place. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. Raise your hands with me now. Mighty God, help us now to become radiant because of the hope of the resurrection. That this hope that we have, this hope that we have in you, mighty God, Lord, that we will purify ourselves now with no impure motives, with no doubt, with no fear. Lord, that you will make us radiant tonight as we purify ourselves now, not grieving as those who have no hope, not being overcome by sin in our own life, but Lord, that we will stand, Lord, in the power, in the radiant glory that comes from having a true hope placed in the power of your resurrection. You are the resurrection and the life. And in you do we put our entirety of our trust, mighty God. Work within your people now, mighty God. Work within us now to become radiant in the hope of the resurrection.